Uh, well, today we're continuing our series in the Gospel of John, a series we've titled Jesus Speaks that uh, looks at the words of Jesus throughout John's Gospel. Uh, today we're going to be in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John. Here in a minute we're going to be reading verses 1 through 6. Uh, our focus for the day is going to be on a single verse of Scripture, uh, verse 6. I want to encourage you that if you're not already reading through the Gospel of John, uh, while we go through this series, I'd like to encourage you to consider uh, doing that. I mentioned at the outset of the series that we're not covering everything that Jesus said uh, in John's Gospel during this series, and, and, every, and yet every word of Jesus recorded in the Gospel of John is very important, and uh, so you'd be benefited by reading through all of it. Uh, chapter 14 is absolutely loaded uh, with important stuff that Jesus uh, said. We could literally spend uh, a couple of months in this one chapter uh, alone. And as it is, we're spending one day on one verse. But uh, in it, Jesus teaches about heaven, teaches about the way to God, uh, which we're going to deal with today. He teaches about the unity of the Father and the Son. He teaches about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He teaches about praying in the name of Jesus. He uh, talks about his return. And so don't allow Sunday sermons to be your only interaction with the Gospel of John. I, again, strongly encourage you to read through chapter 14 this week and, um, and reading through uh, the Gospel of John as we go through the series. Uh, you really should consider getting a good study Bible or a commentary uh, to, to aid your reading of the Scriptures. If you don't already have one, uh, I'd be happy to give you some recommendations. You could just email me uh, and I'll help you out. Uh, with that. So hold your place there in John 14, uh, verse 1, and we'll look at the text here in just a couple of minutes. Um, we live in a time of great deception. And as I consider all the various ways that the enemy is seeking to deceive people today, there are two deceptions that seem to me uh, to be the most common, to be the most widespread. And I think it's largely true that these uh, two deceptions underlie most, uh, most other deceptions. Now, these deceptions are beliefs that people hold about how a person can be right with God, how a person can be saved, how a person can spend eternity with God in heaven. And I've called these two things false gospels uh, because they are things that people trust in instead of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they are things that people believe, um, that, that cause people to believe that they are good with God, uh, when they're actually not good with God. These two false gospels, I believe, are immensely appealing to people. We know they're appealing because of how many people have embraced them. Uh, they have always been embraced in our culture, and they're increasingly embraced even within the church broadly defined. And I think most of us here today, if we're honest with ourselves, will admit that we would find one or perhaps both of these false gospels to be very appealing, uh, very enticing. These two false gospels are universalism and moralism. So let me give kind of, uh, you know, my, my take on defining these terms uh, universalism is essentially the belief that all paths lead to the same place. 
that whether you're Christian or Hindu or Muslim or Buddhist or Wiccan or whatever it is that you are, as long as you are a sincere believer in whatever it is that you believe, that God accepts that and your sincerity in believing whatever makes you good uh, with God. A growing number of Christians embrace a variation of universalism based on a belief that the salvation that's offered in Jesus Christ applies to everyone whether or not they ever come to Christ in faith. They, they hold on to a belief that Christ is the only means of salvation, but they reject Scripture's clear teaching that Christ must be received, and thereby they conclude that all are uh, saved. Uh, Others dispense, even with the notion that Christ is the means of salvation, even within the church this is happening, and simply say that all faiths are equally valid and uh, result in being right with God. Uh, I hope you don't mind me admitting to you today uh, that I find universalism rather appealing. You see, there are people that I care about, people I love, people I like, who have never turned to Christ in faith. And the thought of them spending eternity separated from God is a difficult thing for me. And so universalism holds a certain appeal. Now, I'm guessing most of us at some level, if we're honest, would have to admit that that there is a certain appeal to that. Now, there are unappealing aspects to it as well, but, but those require a lot deeper thinking. On the surface, universalism is a pretty appealing thing. Moralism, let's move to moralism. It's essentially the belief that we get right with God by being a good person. And this belief is widespread within our culture. It is extremely prevalent within the church. In fact, it often passes as biblical Christianity within churches even though it isn't. Those of us who care about obedience to Christ, those of us who take living right seriously, have to always be on guard against this false gospel because the minute that we cross the line from seeing obedience to Christ as an outgrowth of faith in Christ, as a response to the grace of God, and begin see, and start to see it as the means of securing God's grace, At that moment, we become guilty of believing what Paul called in Galatians another gospel, which is in fact no gospel at all. I have to admit to you again that I find moralism rather appealing. I think most of us do. It is what we are being tempted by every time we say things like, well, I know I make mistakes too, but I would never do that. Moralism. We're justifying ourselves. It is what I'm tempted by every time I interact with a friend that hasn't received Christ as Savior. And as I leave them, my mind can't stop wrestling with this thought oh, but they are such a good person. I just can't imagine they're going to spend eternity separated from God. Universalism, moralism, these are very appealing ideas. They, they are so appealing that they are gaining widespread acceptance even in the church. They are ideas that compete with the gospel of Jesus Christ for our embrace. 
They are very appealing, but they are false. And in John 14, Jesus rejects the false gospels of universalism and moralism. So let's read those verses and see what Jesus says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So remember from last week, we are still in Jesus' farewell discourse where he's giving final instruction to his disciples before he embarks on the events that are going to lead to his crucifixion. He is preparing them that he's going to be leaving. And in these first few verses of chapter 14, he's assuring them that he's going back to the Father, that he is going to prepare a dwelling place for them, and that then he is going to return and take them to be where he is. And in verse 4, he tells them, you know the way to the place that I'm going. He's going to the Father, he's going to heaven, they know the way. Except Thomas says, they don't know the way. They don't know where he's going, and they don't know the way to get there. Now, a few verses deeper into chapter 14 than what we're uh, going to look at today, Jesus expresses some appropriate frustration with his disciples for not understanding some things that they should have understood by now. But for today, I want to simply focus on Jesus' response to Thomas in chapter, uh, in verse 6. His response to Thomas when Thomas asked for clarification on the way to God, the way to the Father, the way to heaven. Jesus answers the question with this uh, famous statement, uh, clear statement, decisive statement, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, as we under- if we understand this statement correctly, in it, Jesus emphatically rejects universalism. He emphatically rejects moralism. He exposes both as the false gospels that they are. Let's first consider universalism. Verse 6 is an emphatic rejection of universalism. From Jesus himself, I am the way and the truth and the Life. He is the way, singular. He isn't a way. He isn't one of many ways. He is the way. And you have to keep in mind here, the, this isn't the writing of a fundamentalist pastor. This is Jesus Christ himself. These are the very words of Jesus. The question that prompted this uh, statement of Jesus is, is a question of how the disciples follow where Jesus is going. And Jesus says he's the way that they can go where he's going. He is the way singular. There are no other options provided. If ever there was a time for Jesus to lay out all of the options for his disciples, this would have been the time to do it. 
Thomas is asking for clarification on the way to God, the way to heaven. Jesus needs right now to lay out all the options for Thomas. And he gives him one. I am the way. And as if that isn't clear enough, in case that isn't clear enough, isn't emphatic enough, he adds this, no one comes to the Father except through me. There was no lack of clarity before, but just in case, Jesus says, except through me. It it, it leaves no room for misunderstanding. Jesus is clearly communicating no one can come to God apart from him. There is simply no other way, and there are no exceptions to coming through the only way. No one means no one. Jesus is saying there are no exceptions to this. And here are a couple crystal clear implications of what Jesus has said. First of all, any belief won't do. Just believing something, anything, will not work. Jesus alone is the way to God. And here's a second clear implication. Sincerity doesn't save anyone. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. There are no qualifiers here. There are no exceptions here. There are no loopholes. There's no equivocation. There's one way, Jesus, and that's the only way anyone gets to God. And so this completely rules out sincerity as the free pass to heaven. It clearly demonstrates that sincerity doesn't get a person to God. Only Jesus gets a person to God. Friends, universalism is appealing, but it is false. And it does not matter how appealing we find it. It doesn't matter if we'd do it that way if it was up to us. It's false. It doesn't matter who says it's true. It doesn't matter how successful they are. It doesn't matter how much of a following they have. It doesn't even matter how much of a positive impact they've had on your life. It remains false. And I'm going to say something today. I'm going to use a name. I usually try to avoid this, but I think today it's warranted, so I'm just going to do it. Uh, there has been a superstar in evangelicalism uh, over the past decade or so, uh, a man by the name of Rob Bell. And uh, we used to show videos of Rob Bell here at our uh, church in our small groups. I've watched uh, videos of Rob Bell where uh, he would be teaching on something about faith, and I've been deeply moved by what he taught. I've, I've watched some of his NUMA videos, and I was moved to tears and watching them. It just really affected me. Uh, in a powerful way. But in his book, Love Wins, Rob Bell came out as a universalist. Now, he may not have described it that way himself, but that's what he did. Friends, it does not matter that I have been blessed by Rob Bell's teachings. It does not matter that I've watched his videos and been moved to tears when I watched his videos. In espousing universalism, Rob Bell has put himself in conflict with John 14, 6, not to mention many other verses, and in fact, not to mention the entire Bible. And he has put himself in clear conflict with the teachings of Jesus. He's immensely influential. And so let me offer a bit of advice today. 
If you're going to make a decision between what Rob Bell says and what Jesus says, go with Jesus. If you're going to make a decision between what anyone else says and Jesus, go with Jesus. At any point that I ever say something that departs from what Jesus says, go with Jesus. Always go with Jesus. And let me be honest with those of you who may be here today having not made a decision to receive Christ. Buying into the teachings of people like Rob Bell will keep you from your only hope, which is coming to faith in Christ alone, the way, the truth, and the life. Don't do it. Go with Jesus. John 14, 6 isn't just a rejection of universalism. It is a rejection of moralism. And this one might actually hit closer to home for a lot of us in the room this morning. Albert Moeller, someone that uh, it would be good for you to be familiar with, says this about moralism. One of the most seductive false gospels is moralism. This false gospel can take many forms and can emerge from any number of political and cultural impulses. Nevertheless, the basic structure of moralism comes down to this, the belief that the gospel can be reduced to improvements in behavior. Sadly, this false gospel is particularly attractive to those who believe themselves to be evangelicals motivated by a biblical impulse. Far too many believers and their churches succumb to the logic of moralism and reduce the gospel to a message of moral improvement. Moralism is how most Americans think they're right with God. I'm a pretty good person. I figure I'm more good than bad. I don't hurt others, and I try to help people out when I can. These are the rationalizations people give for why they're okay with God. You've heard it. You may have said it. I've done more good than bad, so I figure the big man's going to let me in when the time comes. Anytime someone refers to God as the big man, just be suspicious of whatever they have to say. The Bible completely rejects Moralism. John 14, 6 rejects it. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 reject it. They tell us that no one is saved by works. No one is saved by being good. The entire book of Galatians is, is written as a rejection of moralism. And in fact, uh, this is so clearly articulated throughout the New Testament that we couldn't possibly cover all the scriptures today that make this point. And beyond the New Testament, this point is contained from the beginning of the Bible. From the moment that Adam and Eve sinned, God has made it clear that we cannot save ourselves, that there's nothing we can do to work ourselves out of the hole that we have created through our sin. We cannot be good enough to merit God's favor. And yet people persist in believing this. And a lot of us, Somewhere deep down in there, if we're not diligent, we start to believe this. If we don't guard against it, we start to believe it. I think some of us who know better still lapse into this kind of thinking. We have to be constantly on guard to keep this thinking from creeping into our minds because it isn't true 
it is false. It is just as false as universalism, even if it does not offend conservative Christians as much as universalism does. Moralism, doing right, doesn't save anyone. And doing right doesn't keep you saved. Yes, obedience to Christ is commanded, and it's the evidence that you do belong to Christ, but it is not the way that you get to heaven. It is only fruit and evidence. It is not means. The means of salvation is Christ alone, faith alone in Christ alone. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The way to heaven is not obedience to the Ten Commandments, though that obedience is is required. It is commanded. The way to heaven isn't living right generally, though Jesus does expect us to live right. The way to heaven isn't involvement in the church, even though Jesus expects us to be involved in the church, which is his idea. The way to heaven is Jesus, only Jesus. He is our only way to God. He is our only hope for salvation. John 14, 6 and many other places in scripture let us know that a person can be a good person, at least as we human beings count goodness, can be a moral person, at least based on the, the, the curve that we grade on, can be good, can be moral, and can be lost. Moralism, just like universalism, is false, and those who embrace it are kept from their only hope for salvation, which is faith in Christ alone, not in their morality. So we need to ask ourselves a question, what am I, what am I trusting in today for my salvation? Am I trusting in my morality, or am I trusting in Christ? And here's what the universalists and the moralists have in common. Uh, There may be other things beyond what I'm going to share here, but but here are some important things that the universalists and the moralists have in common. They both want salvation. They both want heaven on their own terms. They both want heaven without a savior. They both want God without Christ. They both want how they are to be okay with God without having to acknowledge that how they are isn't okay with God. They both want God to accept their assessment of themselves as authoritative rather than accepting God's assessment of them as being authoritative. They both want to tell God what he'll accept rather than allowing God to tell them what is required. They both want salvation without acknowledging that they are broken, wrong, rebellious, and need a savior. They both want heaven without submitting to the only way to get there, faith in Jesus Christ. Both universalism and moralism are false gospels. Both are wrong. Both keep people separated from God and unable to follow Jesus to heaven. And so Jesus clearly and adamantly rejects them as the false gospels that they are. There is only one true gospel. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ as Jesus clearly articulates here in John 14, he and he alone is the way to heaven. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father 
except through me. The statement lets us know that Jesus doesn't just show us the way to God. He doesn't just point the way to heaven. He is the way. Jesus doesn't say, here's the way to the Father. Obey the Ten Commandments. He doesn't say living a really moral life is the way to heaven, though, again, he does command living morally. He doesn't say the way to the Father is doing more good stuff than bad stuff, saying hello to strangers in a friendly tone, providing for your family, occasionally giving a little money to someone in need. He does not point to any of these things and say that's the way to the Father, that's the way to heaven. He points to himself and himself only, and he says, I am the way. Universalism will not get you to the Father. Moralism will not get you to the Father. Jesus is the only way to God. The way is a person. Salvation is not found in behavior modification. It isn't found in being really open-minded and loving religious diversity. Salvation is found in a person, and the person is Christ and only Christ. The Apostle Peter said in Acts 4, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Universalism, moralism, both false gospels, they don't save. Salvation is a person. Salvation is Jesus. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ saves. Salvation is available in Christ alone. His is the only name that saves. Friends, Christianity is Christ. Christianity is Christ. Now, I have to admit to you, some of you probably won't like this, but I kind of get sick of hearing people carelessly spout the line, Christianity isn't a religion, it's a relationship. That line is not as profound as everybody thinks it is, mainly because it's too negative toward the word religion. Uh, But it is true that Christianity is all about Christ. The truth about who he is and what he's done, placing our faith in him, turning to him for salvation, giving ourselves to growing in a relationship with him, receiving him not only as savior but Lord, living in obedience to him, sharing him with others, and looking forward to his return. Christianity is Christ. Salvation is found only in Christ. He is the way to the Father. He is the only way to heaven. Christianity is about a relationship with a person, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Every other way is false. Every other way is a lie. Every other way cannot deliver on what it promises. Universalism promises salvation for all, but it delivers salvation for no one. Moralism promises salvation for the good, but it actually keeps people from turning to the only source of salvation there is. Only Jesus can deliver on what he promises. He alone is the way, the truth, and the life. He alone leads us uh, to God and to heaven. Here's my hope today that somebody here, or maybe several people here today, that you'll believe what Jesus says, that you'll accept that he is the only way to God, 
that you'll turn to him in faith, that you'll receive him, and that you'll receive the salvation that is available only in him. John 14 is an emphatic rejection of universalism and moralism. In this verse 6, Jesus himself rejects both of these false gospels. They are very appealing, but they both leave a person separated from God. Here is my prayer today, that you would join Jesus in rejecting these false gospels, and that instead you would receive the only gospel there is, the only truth there is, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why don't you stand there?